Welcome to Welcome Distractions. This is Mitchell here. I'm here with Benson, as always. How you doing, Benson? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Did you have a distracted week? Um, I did. Uh, sadly, distracted by sad things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we were talking about the Indians last week, and we got booty done. Yeah, that was terrible. I mean, play 162-game regular season, then you play your worst three games in the postseason. Sucks. Bad timing. Wasn't fun. I was at game three, and that was just a shit show. Did you leave before the onslaught, or did you stay? We stayed. Yeah. We stayed. I, what, like, basically what we decided was, this is going to be the last live baseball we'll see all year. Like, we don't have anywhere better to be. It's on Monday at, like, 4.30. Yeah. So, it's like, why not? I like that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was fun for six innings, um, and that was it. Uh, but I've been enjoying playoff baseball more generally, and saw a good movie today. Yeah, yeah, you saw Star is Born. This is That's our music right. episode, so if you want to talk it's, a little bit about it, you said you like fitting. It. Yeah. Um, so I didn't love, love the music. I'm, I'm not the biggest Lady Gaga fan, and I like a few songs, and they didn't really meet that level of enjoyment for me. Um, but I thought Bradley Cooper did a realistic enough job of singing, and Lady Gaga has obviously got an excellent pair of pipes. Um, and... Yeah, it, it was really good. I thought it was kind of a tale of two movies. The first third of the movie was kind of Lady Gaga's uh, character, uh, Allie's kind of rise, mm. and, and getting to know Bradley Cooper's character, Jackson. Um, and that part of the movie was, like, fantastic. Like, every scene from that's iconic. Like, I can picture things from the screen. Uh, and then kind of once she becomes famous, it becomes, like, it's a little slow. It, it was a good movie. Like yeah. I definitely think you should see it. Yeah, I'll I'll think about it. Again, I'm I'm a movie pass subscriber, so I'm saving my two. I'm saving at least two of my three for First Man and Bad Times at the El Royale, which come out this weekend. Um, so maybe I'll go for like one of those five dollar movie days. Yeah, five dollar Mondays. Um, yeah, it's long, isn't it? It's like two and a half hours long. It's like two fifteen. Okay, it's pretty long. It feels long when you have to pee. Did like you have I to did. pee? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> well. Yeah, I couldn't cry because too much liquid would remind me of having to pee. Did you want to? There were parts. I mean, having to pee distracted my emotions a little bit. Right, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it was sad. They, it, it, the parts of it are almost like emotionally manipulative. Okay. Yeah. In a good way? Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. It doesn't feel cheap. Okay. It's good. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's a good movie. It feels fresh still. It uh it kind of hates pop music, which you might have a problem with, because like, spoilers, uh, Lady Gaga's character kind of becomes famous and kind of goes from like a more of a just a plain old singer songwriter vocalist to like a pop star, mm-hmm. and you're not supposed to like it. Gotcha. Yeah, she sold out. Yeah, kind of very quickly. I think that's kind of a maybe a little bit of a tired music movie trope. But yeah, of, like someone who sort of abandons their their ideals or their like their musical ideals just to make some money or yeah get more famous oh agreed i think every trope in this movie is tired yeah okay it's it's good like it's a really well done movie but like don't expect like a reinvention of the wheel yeah that almost makes it more interesting yeah because if you're saying that every trope is tired and you still enjoyed it yeah then that means there's something in the execution of it bradley cooper is great lady gaga is great uh when i say bradley cooper's great i mean his directing his acting's fine yeah. His directing is amazing. Is always kind of fine. Yeah. His directing is really good, and Lady Gaga puts forth a, a performance you would not expect from, like, a rookie actor. Cool. Yeah. Cool. It's good. So some exciting um, movies coming out in the month, Star is Born included. 
Um, also excitement about our other Cleveland sports team, the Cleveland Browns. Woo! Um, two, two, and one. Two, two, and one. <laughs> two, two, and one. We have a better record than a lot of good teams. Yeah, we could be one zero oh, and four. Like, l- legitimately, could be one zero. Oh, or we could be five and zero. Oh. oh yeah, um, we could be. There's... The optimist wants me to be like to think that. Yeah, which. So I have a question. I don't want to go on too much of a tangent because sure. this is our music episode. But which game that we lost? Do you think we should have won more? Hmm. I think That's there are legitimate question. arguments for both games. Yeah. That we lost. The Saints game in New Orleans and the Oakland game in Oakland. Right. Okay. I was, I, and I put the Steelers in there too, which we tied. And uh, that's not part of the question, I guess. Uh, Should we have won? I think we should have won the the Raiders game. Okay. Like, I think there were so many things that were bad. The officiating was bad. Like, our defense was bad. We couldn't finish the game, which was bad. Like, the Saints, like, it's frustrating because, like, we would have won that game with a half-decent kicker. Right. But I don't know. I, game flow is probably different if we start making field goals. And, like, we were winning the the Raiders game the whole time. We were in control of that game. Yeah. We should have won. That. Yeah. I agree. So, I agree. Yeah. I think kicking is also really hard and very unforgiving. Yeah. Um, we have As a lot of... Gonzalez Gonzalez well, knows. Well, we have a lot of, like, analytics and things to, like, talk about football even when... Or, like, analyze football even when the results maybe aren't there. Like PFF gave the Browns pretty good ratings, pretty good grades last year, despite them being 0 and 16. Yeah. But like with kicking, you make it or you miss it. It does not matter how pretty it was. doesn't matter if it went off the crossbar and in. doesn't yeah. matter. You make it or you miss it. That's and then true. it's like, it's the only real black and white thing I think we kind of have in professional sports. Yeah. 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 It definitely is. I mean, I, I mean, one could make an argument about like the three true outcomes in baseball, but it's not quite even that binary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you think uh, a lot of people? A lot of people are saying, like, I guess at this point it's not happening. But I think there's a lot of chatter about like Greg Joseph getting cut after making game-winning field goal, which would have been hilarious. Yeah, I know it's not going to happen at this point. Because Probably it's, not. It's Tuesday. They did bring in a kicker last week though for a workout. Oh yeah, from like the CFL. Yeah, he. It's, it's just funny because that kick was so terrible. Like uh, it got blocked. No, it Raiders. Didn't. Raiders PR John Harbaugh and Tony Jefferson both said that Tony Jefferson got a hand on it. Are we sure? I mean, we're t- we'll take their word for it. I don't know why they would lie about I it. I didn't see it. I it, like lie like Tony naked, Jefferson was unblocked. Naked eye, it looked like it got blocked. I I will say that. Tony Jefferson, like, nobody got in his way. Okay. He had a, he had a free lane to that football. See, I've watched the replay pretty closely, and I haven't seen any blocks. Yeah, maybe. My, <laughs> I can't believe it was that ugly. If it, it wasn't was blocked. terrible. It, like also, it wouldn't make any sense for like a knuckleball to be after. Like it was a knuckleball. It didn't spin, right? I think it might have been like a tip. You know, like it just. And it, then it stayed it, still. It sort of wrecked the the motion enough. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It was it was ugly, but I love it. Yeah. I mean, I'm happy about it. Well, we Zane, beat the Ravens. Zane Gonzalez last season for a kick that brought us into overtime against the Titans at home. He had a knuckle. He had a, he had a knuckleball kick, but it was it was a laser. I mean, it yeah. probably, probably would have been good from like seventy. Yeah. So that could have been easily what Greg Joseph's idea was was just like get this thing in the air. Yeah. And don't let the wind affect it because his extra point was crazy. That was terrible. That thing hooked. So much. Yeah. I was like, how is that physically possible yeah. for the for the ball to move in such a way in such a little distance? It seems like all the Browns kickers like can't kick the ball straight. Like watching Justin Tucker in that game. Oh yeah, he's was money. Like, <laughs> he's so good. And all his balls go so straight. It's like 
how does the man do it? Yeah. I guess we're just like not used to it since Phil Dawson left. Yeah. Uh, and everyone's like, get Phil Dawson back. He's yeah. not, he hasn't been good. Yeah. He's like he's 71 years old. for the Cardinals and he's one of right. three in field goals. Yeah. So I'd it's buy like, that. yeah, yeah, yeah I'd buy that. He's playing in the dome. All right, we should we should talk we about should, music. We should, we should. All right, so so kind of on the docket today, we'll probably uh, go right into our albums of the year, maybe. Or, yeah, to yeah. this point, sure. All right, yeah. So I think this is going to be a pretty quick, quick segment. So this um start? this segment just for our our listeners might be a little choppy because we're gonna say what we're listening to and then we're gonna pause the recording, right. listen to what we're doing, also give me time to splice in the music that we are going to be talking about, and then. So there'll be a lot of kind of stop and start in terms of what we're saying. Right. Um, but, but, like, hopefully we'll be able to edit. But, ho- but hopefully you'll have about five seconds of, like, preview. And then my plan is to, dim- like, diminish the recording down so that it's more of an underscore for the conversation rather than at the forefront and we're just trying to talk over Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so I'm going to fade the volume. Yeah, I'll, f- I'll fade the volume down once we come back in and start speaking. Um, so hopefully that works out. Yeah. If, if it doesn't, you know what my intentions were. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. I think we should just do like 30 second, like, or minute long descriptions of why we like it and sure. what that stuff's about. Cool. So, you want to start? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go first. Um, this one actually came out um, last Friday. Okay. It's Coheed and Cambria, and the album is called Unheavenly Creatures. Okay, so um, Coheed and Cambria, Unheavenly Creatures is actually like Vaxis Act One, The Unheavenly Creatures. Um, it's a prog rock album um, with an interesting kind of comic book tie-in called The Amory Wars. And um, their lead singer and songwriter, Cla- uh, Claudio Sanchez, um, writes comic books that accompany the music, um, which is sort of a, a riff on an older um, phenomenon in classical music called program music. Um, like Hytor Berlioz's Symphony Fantastique that had like literary accompaniment to the music um, and it was actually kind of a divisive um, technique because a lot of music critics at the time thought that that was like ruining the integrity of the music hmm. so that it came down to there was there was programmatic music and then the opposite was absolute music so just in terms of like the, the the language there, there's a clear bias against it. Yeah. Um, but I really like it. Um, thematic music like that that has a sort of um, extra artistic meaning to it. Um, and so if you like stuff like that, you'll probably like this. Um, I like this album a lot. Um, I've liked this band for a while. They've, they've been around for a while and um, haven't done any of the comic book tie-in stuff yet. I'm not much of a comic book person, but I think it's a it's a cool option to like add some more beef onto the the story that this music tells yeah that's awesome i've never been like a big true concept album guy like the concept albums that i enjoy are ones that are like kind of loosely tied together I like more them. like a i eat them up like a, <laughs> i, I eat know concept you do albums up. <laughs> yeah like a rise and fall of ziggy stardust is like a concept album in that they're all kind of about the same thing but it doesn't really tell a story it, yeah, it, so there's much. yeah which then, like, i which is like, like suffragette city comes on towards the end and you're just kind of like okay i'm gonna <laughs> You lost me. I'm gone. Yeah, and rock and roll suicide has nothing to do with it. Right, right. It's a great end. Yeah. Anyway, this isn't about that. Yeah, cool. All right, so that's number... I I have four. I know you think you have four or five. Yeah. Um, So that was number one on my list. So what's what's up for you? Okay. Uh, Yeah, mine are unranked. I just kind of... Oh, I mean... Yeah, I meant... Okay. That's that's my first one. Sure, sure. So my first one is going to be Beach House is the the name of the group. It's a duo from uh, Baltimore. Victoria Legrand is the lead singer. I don't know the other dude's name. But she's kind of like this classically trained singer. 
and they do like this super dreamy, uh, a synth driven music, like dream pop. And this album's kind of like their biggest album. So let me play it. Yeah, so you should be hearing now. It's, it's just like dreamy and big and layered and um, yeah, it's just kind of, they have their own sound. And in their last album, they kind of came out with two albums in one year and it was kind of, kind of missed for me a little bit and this is a big return to form for them. So I was really excited to hear this. Cool. I, I always love that. I always love when an album maybe disappoints you and then the next one is like, okay, we haven't lost them quite yet. Right, and you never expect it. Like once an artist comes out with an album that I don't love, oftentimes I'm like, okay, maybe that's it. Might, it. might be time to bail. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Uh, it takes a special band to like kind of miss and then come back. Like yeah. Rolling Stones do that like seven times. Right, sure, sure. <laughs> but that's the drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, hindsight, they're a, a band that just will, will not go away. So. Yeah, true. <laughs> so cool. Okay, number, the next one for me is Reign of Kindo. Okay. Um, the album is called Happy However After. Okay. So that you heard um, "Smell of a Rose," which is the third track off of "Happy However After." Um, like a jazz pop group, uh, Reign of Kindo is. I actually think they changed their name now to Kindo after that album. So if you're looking for them in the future, you're going to find them under Kindo, not Reign of Kindo. That's going to be a tough gig for them, changing a band name um, with like four albums out already. Yeah. Um, but that this album is full of a lot of um, percussive intrigue, um, tempo changes, um, big brass, brassy uh, horn sections, obviously. Um, kind of a stupid comment there, but a, a horn section. I love a good horn section in a song, especially one that's actually played by horn players. I know theirs is. Um, <clears throat> yeah, a lot of fun to listen to. Not too long. It's like 10 songs, I think. Not 9 or 10 songs. And um, yeah, a really cool band that I don't think a lot of people know about. But yeah, I, think, I, I think they would appeal to a lot of a lot of different people. They're they're not straightforward, but they're pop songs, yeah. which I really like. Yeah, and uh, I love the I love the uh, the the production of that song too. Yeah, it's really, great. yeah, really cool stuff. Really yeah. cool stuff. All right, so my next one, and I'm not gonna talk about it before I introduce it, like I did last time. <laughs> uh, my next one is going to be. Oh, by the way, I also have. I would say Mitski and Let's Eat Grandma. Mitski's Be the Cowboy and 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 uh, Let's Eat Grandma, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. Uh, I'm All Years are, are two of the albums of the year for me. Uh, I'm going to say the next one is Casey Musgraves, which and the album is, wow, I didn't write it down and I forget what it's called. The album's Golden Hour. Golden Hour. Now Golden you're Hour. lifting right. me up, stead on me down, stealing my heart, stead of stealing my crown. Yeah, so you were hearing Butterflies, which is the third song on the album. It's uh, in one of the singles. Uh, love the jaunty piano in that cute yeah. lyrics. She uses the word chrysalis in that song, which I'm a big fan of. And more generally, I feel like this album's kind of genre expanding for me. Like I, I've never loved country music, and, and she is traditionally a country singer, but she uses techniques that uh, are not very common in the in that genre. I yeah. mean, she has some some uh, disco influences. She uh, even uses a vocoder in in one of the songs, which or I guess it's called auto tune now. Auto tune. Yeah. Uh, okay. She uses vocoder slash autotune in yeah. one of the songs. Um, and it, it's a great, great pop album. It's got some cute lyrics. It's got some, like, really strong feminist lyrics. Yeah. Um, it's a great, great album. You said Chrysalis. The song's called Butterflies. So she's going deep into the science there. Right? 
You know I'm all for that. <laughs> she's not she's not holding anything back. <laughs> right? When it comes to butterflies. <laughs> all right, what's next for you? All right, so next for me is a band called WSTR, album called Identity Crisis. So you're listening to Bad to the Bone right now, um, which is not a cover. Mitch was very <laughs> happy to know. This is a British pop punk band. Um, I think they're really authentic, kind of funny, um, a little sassy. There's a, there's a lyric in the song you're listening to now that says, um, I don't care what your best friend says. She's a mess these days. Just leave that kid at home. Um, just sort of little fun things like that. Um, kind of really enjoyable. Some really nice, nice guitar work, too. Um, there's a guitar solo later on in that song that's um, really pretty tasteful. Not, um, I'm not like a huge fan of shredding. Like I, I don't think I understand the virtuosity enough of it. But um, a very melodic guitar solo that that um, is dynamic and and um, the lead singer I think has a, a dynamic voice. We were talking about it how he's lower down the register. It's a bit more growly and nasally. And then once he gets up high, it cleans up a little bit. Yeah. Um, which is a, a theme throughout the album, and and it it adds a certain kind of um, I use the word dynamic too many times, but it does add a, a sort of dynamic um, sense to listening to each song. Yeah, growly and nasally is not a combo that you hear together too much. Like, it was kind of unique. I really liked it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, but I'm I'm all for weird voices. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, a more unique vocal tone for that sort of album. Right, which is cool. Right. Am I up? Yes, you are. All right, my next one is. Um, wow, I didn't write down album titles, so. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, my album is, is is a Chicago rapper called Saba, and the album is called Care for Me. Cool. So now he eyeing me shit like yo, it's shorty bad. I pretend not to be depressed. She never wrote me back. Yeah, a lot of people probably know Saba from uh, his work with Chance the Rapper on Chance's album, Acid Rap, or his mixtapes, Acid Rap, and then his debut album or maybe it's still a mixtape uh, the more recent one coloring book he was on uh i forget what he was on an acid rap like um everybody's somebody mm-hmm. and then on uh, coloring book he was on um, angels which is kind of a lead single and 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 care for me is kind of his coming out party uh i don't have much to say about it because like you know the production's great it's kind of like a little more analog sounding uh Sorry, the pr- did I say production? Yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember if I said production or... Uh, can, 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 wow. <laughs> Sorry, this is awkward. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I really enjoy his work. Um, his lyricism's great. He's kind of a sad rapper, which, you know, I like sad music, and I can kind of relate to him a little bit. I don't... Oh. I mean, well, no, because, like, I feel like a lot of rappers... Uh, and some ones that I really enjoy are all about kind of bragging and taking down your enemies and that kind of thing. And I think Saab is a little more personal and a little more uh, I- intimate with his lyrics, which I really appreciate. Because um, that's something I look for in all music. Uh, so it's nice to get it in an up-and-coming rapper. Immediately in listening to it, I like the way that um, rhythmically in his phrasing, like kind of lines sort of spill over one another or like they spill over the downbeat, mm. um, which adds... Uh, a, a lot of lyrical intrigue, not only in the text, but like in the placement of the lyrics, which is obviously a huge part of hip hop music. So, mm-hmm. right. And the song you heard was Prom slash King. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Last one for you. Last one for me is a band called Pale Waves. The album is called My Mind Makes Noises. So, um, this is an album that's kind of like, well, it's very 80s. 
influence, but I like what you said, Mitch, um, that their, their lead singer kind of sounds a bit more like a, a 2010s pop artist with some sort of 80s background, um, which creates kind of a nice mix there between the old and the new, and this sort of like 80s new wave renaissance um, kind of makes them stand out a little bit. Um, they're kind of like a 1975 with a female singer and without the extreme hubris. Um, the 1975 think they're the best band in the world so if you're a little tired of that um, and you like the music that they make check out Pale Waves um, I like the layered synthesizers we talked about that a little bit earlier um, they kind of almost crochet with one another which I think is always really cool um, that they are able to complement each other without just being like more sound um, <clears throat> so listen to this one with headphones in and pay attention to the, the synth work um, because it's a really really nice exercise in, in, in music production I'm going to piggyback on you and, and say listen to all of them with headphones. Well, sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I, I, but, like, this isn't a bad driving album. Right. Okay, um, that's fair. Listen to them with and without headphones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love the the sound of the guitar in that, that opening to that yeah. song that we just listened and to. And some really good bass work, like electric bass work, which okay. in that sort of genre is kind of lost because a lot of it turns into synth bass. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of really nice... Bass rhythm I'll tell you what 80s band has a great bass is uh, New Order which yeah. is super synthy but they also have great bass mm-hmm. and it almost reminds me of that sure like uh, Duran Duran mm-hmm. had a stellar bass player John mm-hmm. Taylor um, you too show it off no <laughs> I'm a bass player I gotta know who these people I are I think the bassist is either Bernard Sumner or Peter Hook for New Order I don't remember I wouldn't be able to tell you well I just wanted to show off too yeah oh yeah okay okay <laughs> All right, last one for you. All right, yeah, my last one is uh, the uh, art punk band Parquet Courts with their new album, Wide Awake. The first name I called you is not a name at all. Yeah, so this uh, is kind of their cleanest effort. This has got to be like number al- album number like five or six for them. And, 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 and their earlier stuff's definitely more punk sounding and, and instrumental, or at least kind of. Indie-ish, punkish, uh, and and so they kind of took a, a change of pace with this one, and I think it worked really well. So they had Danger Mouse produce it, which he's definitely more known for his work with like R and B, and even his work with the Black Keys was pretty R and B influenced. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and obviously um, Narl Sparkly and and uh, stuff with uh, the the Gray album. So yeah, I just uh, I I really like the way. Uh, this album sounds uh, his voice definitely takes some getting used to but uh lyrically he's always funny and interesting and that song that you listen to is called Freebird 2 so you know they kind of have a sense of humor um yeah and 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 he's great at coming up with these like kind of slower not sappy but kind of tender uh pop songs as well he always has at least one on each album that's really nice and pretty so I, I love this band. I've never seen them. They're coming to Cleveland uh, in the beginning of November, and I'm hoping to, to open to see them. Yeah. yeah, cool. Well, I don't want to toot our own horn, but I think that was a pretty cool, diverse list. Yeah, for um, sure. We've given listeners eight pretty different albums to check out. Um, I'm patting myself on the back right sure, now. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, like in kindergarten. <laughs> um, so that's those are our sort of albums to look out for to this point in 2018. Um, obviously... In like November and December, there uh, actually actually October, November, December, there are a lot of um, planned album releases. Mm-hmm. Um, album releases, I think, are kind of different than movies, where like it doesn't really matter when they come out in the year. Yeah, um, I agree. But 
there are some that do. Like there are some that are definitely summer albums for that sure. Don't age super well in the colder times of the year. Yeah, and then I think a lot. The only the only time when you really don't hear much music released is just around holiday season. I think yeah. like there are some memorable exceptions to that with like Beyonce dropping her surprise album, self titled album, Bruno a few Mars. years back. Oh, I didn't realize that, but you're a big Bruno Mars guy. Yeah, Bruno Mars, I think, 24 Karat Magic came out on, like, December 15th or so. Okay. Yeah, and, and then uh, and then D'Angelo. I don't know if you have listened to much D'Angelo, but he dropped, like, his first album in several years, a surprise. No one knew it was coming over, yeah. over like, the Christmas, New Year's time. So. Cool. Another album you should check out is um, Benson Anderson, <laughs> Love and Lack Thereof. Yeah. Um, you can find it on Bandcamp. Um, I wrote, produced, um played all the instruments and uh yeah um had a lot of fun i got really drunk last night and listened to it um because <laughs> that's the only time i can ever listen to it that's fair um, what but yeah you, check you it just out. get drunk in, in 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 sorrow for the indians i did i <laughs> had a whole bottle of wine yesterday oh nice in the first four innings of the indians game my dad and i split a bottle of wine um, no that was sunday and it was rosé it was dark horse rosé so Ooh. like i woke up at 4 a.m feeling horrible i'm sure you did <laughs> um, but that's where we are now yeah um, yeah shameless plug i have a little bit of shame i apologize but whatever. you should uh, you know what whatever you know what? i also have to shout out an album uh it's benson anderson love and lack thereof oh hey <laughs> <laughs> that way it's good. not shameless <laughs> it's pretty good uh, a little sloppy because he doesn't know how to edit music that well but we're learning <laughs> he's getting better i i did make a concerted effort to do it all myself yeah. There are two guitar solos that I did not play. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought those were you. No. Ah. Yeah, I wish. I wish I could <laughs> play like that. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, so we also kind of picked albums that came out recently for each other um, to uh, just discuss it a little more length, just kind of for fun. Yeah. Um, do you want to... We can do yours first, if you want. Sure. Um, okay. Well, I think what's an important stipulation is that neither of us had heard these albums before. Right. And this is our Im- impressions because sorry you hadn't heard the album that i had sent you and i hadn't heard the album that you had sent me right and you've probably heard your album four or five times at least have maybe a bit more of a repeated listening to it and here's like vice versa the other person is going to have the first time listen first time impression so hopefully that's that leaves us some insight um yeah and gives us some really good talking points. Yeah, I think this would be a fun thing to do with, uh, like, movies or TV shows as well. Absolutely. It's like one of us picks our favorite TV show and it's like, oh, watch this episode and then Mm -hmm. we can discuss it, like, as a newbie and as an expert. Yeah. Yeah, although I wouldn't call myself an expert at this album. As a newbie and a junkie. Yeah. Um, The album that I had Mitch listen to was Welcome to the Neighborhood by Boston Manor. It's uh, Neighborhood, N-E-I-G-H-B-O-U-R. They are are from London. (laughs) <laughs> They're an emo band from London. They're um, definitely emo. Yeah, I like this album a lot. Um, it's also in my albums of the year. Um, I don't think I'm going to try and play anything. We'll, That's we'll just talk about it. And okay. if you want to go, and if what we say about it makes you want to go and listen to it, then hopefully that that's something that happens. Yeah. Um, I like the approach to the intensity of the album. Mm-hmm. I also like the um, the way that the vocal harmony on a lot of the choruses can sort of blends blends together in that either line could really be the melody. Mm-hmm. Um, it adds a lot of punch to some of the, some of the hooks and the choruses. Um, and it is, it is a hooky album. It's not like, I don't know. It's not, um, it's not hard to listen to in a lot of capacities. It's not devoid of melody as a lot of like emo albums can be about yeah. 
heroin addiction. Um, and a lot, a lot of, and on the other side, a lot of emo or pop punk, punk music tries to capture this kind of pain, this kind of suffering. And it actually sounds a bit forced. Um, to me, this album feels really genuine. It, it's really kind of heartbreaking, pretty dark. Um, but, um, an important one, I think in, in the, the genre that's sort of getting delegitimized by the month because yeah. there's so much like teeny bop pop punk music mm-hmm. that has lost its roots a lot in that it's actually supposed to come from actual things from the heart instead of manipulating lyrics to sound like they should or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I think, um, one of the things I should say before I talk about what I thought of the album is like, I think, for a long time, I've always been like, oh, emo pop punk is kind of like what I listened to in middle school. Right. And I wasn't, you know, I never seek it out. And I, it's probably not still my jam in terms of genre and in terms of emotion that they put in. I listen to a lot of either happy music or sad music. And this is like angry, but it's real, yeah. which I like. Uh, yeah, I thought this was a really good example of the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my very, very first impression of the album is I love albums that uh, start with the title track because it's almost like an intro to yeah. what the album is like. I think that's cool. And it's also a very different track than the rest of the album. It, it is. is. I was surprised um, at the rest of the album. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really different. And it's, um, it's kind of like eerie and a little bit more electronic, a little bit more, um, yeah. static in terms of the, um, accompaniment, the instrumental accompaniment. Yeah. Although I liked the, the periodic use of synthiness in this album. Like yeah. on, on the, on the halo, is it? Yes. And that was a really interesting opening to that, that song. Yeah. And some of the, I mean, some of the lyrics are just so brutally, like, I'm a flower in your dustbin. <laughs> I think that's, I mean, I don't, is that like a phrase? No, he came See, up with that yeah, for sure. I've, I've never like heard that as a phrase. And I was like, I was kind of like, oh, like, you know, something that you're sort of sweeping up um, dirt and you catch something that maybe shouldn't be thrown in the trash. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, some of, so, some of these choruses I, I really liked and some of them weren't my favorite. Like, mm-hmm. I think one that I didn't love was uh, Digital Ghost just because it's kind of repetitive. Yeah, I don't love that one either. And, and same with Hate You. Hate You might be my least favorite on the album. Yeah, it, um, does, it does fall in that sort of point in time in which you need a song that's maybe going to rip you right back in and right. Hate You doesn't quite do that. On the other hand, I really liked England's Dreaming. Mm-hmm. I thought the harmonies that they did in the chorus were awesome and like kind of, I don't know, it, it kind of a good example of when this album kind of strays from emo tropes and, and does a really good job and it's really, really interesting to listen to. Um, whereas, like, Digital Ghost was, like, I thought was kind of, okay, Digital Ghost, Digital Ghost, Digital yeah. Ghost. It, the, and there is, there is a lot of... There are there are a few choruses here, and that's one of my like kind of peeves lyrically, is I don't love when a chorus is just the same phrase repeated over and over again. Yeah, same. Um, I think these songs, for the most part, that do suffer from that have enough intrigue elsewhere mm-hmm. to, for it to be okay. Um, what, what do you think of the end of the album with the, like kind of the more acoustic? What do you think of that? It's an approach. It's like one of the four ways you can end an album like this. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, for set, for an album that's just been so consistently heavy throughout, I like the sort of softball ending. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it leaves you in a far different place than the rest of the album does. And I do like how you said the first track is Welcome to the Neighborhood. And the last track is called The Day I Ruined Your Life, which like in itself is gut-wrenching. And it sort of is a nice way to complete this sort of journey that you've gone through with all the anger and the 
like the song is called Funeral Party and Bad Machine and If I Can't Have It, No One Can and Hate yeah. You, all these things that are so brutal and angry and from a, such a place of, so, from such a dark place, a place of pain, and then you end with The Day I Ruined Your Life and it's a lot of sort of like, and now we're through, we're done. I really liked The Day I Ruined Your Life. Um, it reminds me a lot of, not in terms of like the sound, but mm-hmm. just in the, the way it ends the album of, the song that I really like called "The Other Side of Mount Heart Attack" from a, an album called Liar, or from an album called "Drums Not Dead" by a band Liars, and it's like the whole album is like noisy and really out there, and then mm. the end is just like sad and kind of brings you back into the real world. And I kind of liked that a lot about this album. I yeah. thought it worked really well, and it didn't completely lose touch with the rest of the album because it kind of built into that. It didn't reach the same emotional peaks, but I kind of liked that it was mm-hmm. a little more subdued. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really nice way to end the album. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, wrapping up, I like what you said. There is kind of a lot of crap to dig through in the genre. Um, a lot of forced pain, a lot of like, my girlfriend left me and I hate my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have the impression that that's what the pop punk emo genre has turned into, I cannot recommend enough that you turn your attention to Boston Manor, Welcome to the Neighborhood. Um, especially if you used to be a fan of that genre. Like you said, you listened to it in middle school. So you yeah. do have a sort of initial taste for it. I feel like you never really end up ever hating music that you at one point really liked. Yeah, that's true. So if you have that base, can't re- I mean, I definitely recommend coming back to this um, or coming, coming to this. It came out about a month ago, September 7th, um, and it might just win you back over. There's some classic rock that I used to listen to that I don't like anymore, like, like some Billy Joel. <laughs> I like, like I still Billy Joel? I like some Billy Joel, but like some of the like eighties trash that he made that I listened to when I was younger. I don't really like it girl. Yeah, that song sucks and I used to like it. But I, it's also pretty good. Oh, it stinks. <laughs> that song's terrible. Yeah, Uptown Girl is really bad, but it's also pretty good. Or uh The Longest Time. What Yeah, I don't love that song. For the longest time. For the longest time. <laughs> yep. And and it's got that sort of like text painting of like when is this song gonna end <laughs> yeah really yeah it's about 10 seconds in it 10 seconds in you know what the entire song sounds yep. like yep. it's terrible yep. all right so my album as i kind of alluded to earlier was i'm all ears by let's eat grandma i love their n- title of their uh band i wish there was a comma let's well comma, well that's grandma. the joke <laughs> that's the joke is it's like the classic like punctuation matters phrase yeah, like let's like eat it. grandma versus let's eat grandma i like it yeah it's great so so this one weird thing about this album is the beginning doesn't do it for me. It um, stinks. I was really worried when you knew it to me. I'll let you continue. Yeah. So I'll, like the first, the first, the intro is like this like witchy, gothic, weird, um, I, and it, do, it doesn't set the tone for the album all that well. And then the second song is this album Hot Pink, which is like the lead single of the album or one of the lead singles on the album. And it's really more of a showcase for Sophie's production than what makes Let's Eat Grandma so good. Um, so I, if you listen to the first two songs and don't love it, uh, try and stick with it, I guess. Um, what, after Hot Pink ends, I think the album kind of finds its footing. Uh, it's Not Just Me. Uh, it's super catchy. Uh, I'll Be Waiting For You. Great pop song. And, 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 and in general, they just have like these nice swelling synths in the background that, that kind of bring out the emotion. And... The way the album ends, uh, I really love. It's my the last three songs are my probably my favorite three songs on the album. Cool and collected, and um, and uh, Donnie Darko are the 
bookends. They're the third to last and final album or songs on the album, and both of them are like nine plus minutes. Uh, and then Ava is just a devastating four minute pop song that I love. Yeah, probably if there's one song to listen to off this album, I, I would say it's Ava. But I love Donnie Darko as well. Yeah, if you have eleven and a half minutes to, um, to kill or to like try and get you into this, I think Donnie Darko is the way to go for me. Like in terms of a song to listen to, it's kind of the album distilled. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that these were some. There are some really nice soundscapes. I almost like the instrumentals that they add at the end of the songs more than the songs themselves. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> kind of like what Justin Timberlake did on the 2020 experience. Like there's the song and then there's like four minutes of like after song, like epilogue to the song. Yeah. Um, it's almost like the mood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a great so mood in that way it, it, it flows really well, which is why I think it's tough to maybe like recommend a single song to listen to mm-hmm. because I do think they crafted this in a way to make it an album experience. Yeah. For and sure. in that way, I think it can maybe feel a little bit long. Um, Admittedly, I listened to this while I was playing a game of Madden on mute. <laughs> so I played a killer game of Madden. Nice. I won like 53 to 17. So you um, were enjoying the album. So <laughs> it just put me in a, in a spot. You know? <laughs> um, I like the synth textures a lot, though there is a moment in Donnie Darko where the second synth is just wrong. Yeah. Like rhythmically, it is, <laughs> it's on a different, it's, it's, doing something totally different than the rest of the music is. Is it the part where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that part. It just sort of sounds like someone just was like, this is going to be really, really cool because I'm going to make it so it's not like in time. And it is twinkly. I think you can still create that effect with it being with your metronome. Yeah. Um, I liked it. Or maybe, maybe pull it back a little bit so that it's not so at the forefront of the mix. Yeah. Where it's like, oh man, this is the only thing I can hear right now and it is not uh, like it's not going along with the rest of the song. Yeah. I, I would say if you're going to listen to the song, start with track number three. That's yeah. my opinion. And then and then if you really like it, maybe try to see what you think of track number yeah. two. I also felt specifically in Donnie Darko they were implying some like bigger broader layering with without the density kind of required. Yeah. Like there are these parts where the drums are like, but it's like, it's not that loud or like forward. It's just sort of there. And that might be part of like the dreamscape, but it did sort of feel like they were trying to imply a bit more of like a theatrical or a dramatic effect. And it just didn't quite, it wasn't, it wasn't broad enough. It wasn't dense enough Hmm. for, and maybe that was purposeful. I don't know. Um, for me, I'll, I mean, I like I love music theater. So whenever something tries to go for the dramatic, I'm always like, bigger the better. And um, I liked the music, the, like the harmony and the synths. I just thought that maybe it could have been, because there's no singing at the time. It was just an instrumental. So if you're going to have these sort of, these drum hits that, that where, where the, the chord changes along with the drums within the measure, um, maybe emphasize it a little bit more than they did okay uh, one other thing i will say about this out al- well two other things one quickly i don't need to hear cats purring i like the sound <laughs> of cats purring it's really weird to hear like in your headphones yeah uh, so i did not need that um and then i think one thing that's really impressive about this album is these are two young women they're younger than both of us so i want to say they're like 20 when this album came out or 21 and i think lyrically it's very impressive like Mm -hmm. here is a little snippet from cool and collected that almost plays a little bit uh or sounds a little bit like a rap song in terms of just like consistency with one vowel which you'll see uh it's because i'm impressed with you i don't have the that effect on you 
I can't express to you. I'll be here if you want me to. I'm just obsessed with you. I'm always such a mess with you. So what we gonna do? Um, it's almost like, you know, that S sound over and over again and mm-hmm. just kind of like, it's just really an interesting way to to write music and and I don't know. I think they're really impressive songwriters. Yeah, I think so too. The fact that they wrote those epics at the end of the album. I like the way that they sort of allow you to decide what it is that you want to pay attention to Mm -hmm. um, rather than sort of forcing whatever it is that they want you to pay attention to down your throat. Um, It makes it a bit more replayable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am excited to come back to it again. I don't think I could put it on like in the car. Okay. um, Just because I like to be maybe a bit more actively... Um, I don't know, entertained or stimulated. I buy that. But like doing something else and having it on, mm-hmm. um, it won't draw your attention away from what you're doing, nor will what you're doing draw your attention away to a point where you can't enjoy this. Right. I think I think it's definitely an album that you can enjoy just straight up listening to. That doesn't necessarily have to be like a driving album or right. whatever. Right. Yeah, because it's just sonically very interesting. Right. But I was like. I was playing a game of Madden without the commentary. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is fine. You know, I, I mean, it, it didn't bother me. I was never like, this is so weird that I'm doing this while this is playing. Yeah. Um, just more of a, um, throw this on while you're cleaning your room or something. Yeah. I buy that. All right. So, so I think there's a successful exercise that we could uh, try and do again. Yeah. Um, next music. Thing. And I think even better... Um, you don't know what any of this music sounds like. You, 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 the listener. Yet. Yeah. So if you like our verbal descriptions of what this music sounds like, maybe go listen to it and see if you agree with us or don't. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the interesting things is, like, I think you'll find that we have, I mean, we don't have, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not necessarily conflicting or not necessarily um, mutually exclusive tastes, but we have different tastes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be interesting. I think, you know, between the two of us, we're going to suggest something that listeners will like. Yeah. You know? And maybe at some point, like, when we get better at this, we can do, I mean, I generally did like this album. Yeah. But I would be hesitant if I didn't to, yeah. like, roast it in front of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, maybe as we get further along, we can be a little bit more brutally honest of, like, you know, I didn't love this. And, like, be able to articulate why. Yeah. If nothing else, this podcast we're going to bring opinions that I hope we can back up. I think so, too. And and you know what? I think what we should do also in the future is not pick our absolute fate. Like, like we should, definitely shouldn't be like, oh, this is my favorite album. And then you'd be like, this is a piece of trash. <laughs> but, like, we could do, like, themes. Like, I could be like, oh, like, let's do a classic rock artist sure. by, like, a with a lead singer that is female or whatever. Yeah. Or, like, your favorite song to listen to, like, when you need to, like, get a good cry going. Yeah. Or whatever. With this way, um, with like it coming out in the last three months, yeah, sort of stipulation. Um, there's no way we can be that attached to it yet. That's true. Um, so that's kind of nice. Yeah, or we don't even have to do a theme. We could just do like this is an album that I was digging last week. Yeah, you that's know? pretty much what I did. Yeah, and and the fact is, is I I don't listen to that much new music anymore. I don't know why. I just that's I, interesting. this year especially. I listen to too much new music. Like, I'm so oversaturated with it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so we'll have some interesting things. I, yeah. I, I don't even know that we need to have themes. We can just have each other listen to yeah. albums that we want. Who knows? Who knows? Right. We'll see. It's all just a big learning experience. Let's take a quick break, and then we can uh, do our top fives. 
Welcome back to uh, Welcome Distractions. I hope you weren't too focused during that break. Um, <laughs> yeah, that one second break. <laughs> well, eventually it'll be ad copy. Like right. we'll go and trans. We'll go and put ad copy in there, like in fifty episodes when we have like Panera. Sorry. I thought you were gonna say years. <laughs> yeah, fifty years. <laughs> yeah, try Panera's new uh, con- like what it like concentrated Italian combo sandwich. You just. Put that thing in water, and it's a full sandwich. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. There goes our Panera sponsor. <laughs> All right. So our top five, as I kind of screwed us over with last week, was uh, top five movie, movie music moments. Yeah, man. You, got, you were like, we're going to do this. And I, I was, was like, so not talk about this. I was so pumped last week. Like, just like, I was shitting on some football team or baseball team or something like that you were you were talking about the cubs i was talking about the cubs <laughs> and i was just on a roll and i was like screw it this is a good idea we're doing this <laughs> i like it i like it hey you can do it this week if you want what are we doing next i week? don't have any idea oh wait are we gonna to try and do kaufman next week we're do the kaufman episode. that'll be so fun we have to get his permission first <laughs> we have to get his permission and his his we have to get his willingness to do it <laughs> yeah you know what that's gonna be the most organized episode we ever do probably yeah it definitely will be because we're having a moderator. Yeah, I'm excited. Me too. I hope he agrees to it. I bet he will. We should call him after this episode. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Let's call him on speaker. Okay, let's try it. He'll probably be sleeping or at work. He has weird. He does have weird work hours. Yeah, we'll have but to. He, we'll can, pro- he can do Tuesday evenings, which is when we usually record. Okay. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably. Okay, that's good. Because I was going to make a joke that we're probably going to have to go at like 3 a.m. on a Sunday or something like we that. We try and switch Monday, Tuesday evenings. You and yeah. I do at least. Yeah, exactly. If so you, anyway, if you were curious when we record these, yeah, if you, it's in Benson's basement. It's uh, the address is. <laughs> do, do not do that. <laughs> okay, top five. What we're doing? Top five. Top five movie music moments. Movie music moments. Triple M. Triple M. Movie music moments. Um, so this can be either licensed music put yeah. into a film. Or um, the film score coming to the forefront. Yeah, and, and, I, and I did only licensed music just because, like, for me, like, I associate, like, very occasionally I'll listen to film scores, but, like, for the most part, like, the film score for me is a part of the movie, whereas, like, licensed music is kind of, like, has its own life and has it outside of that piece of, uh, you know, TV or movie. In this mm-hmm. case, we did movies. And uh, it kind of adds a new dimension that's just different for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I love good licensed music use of yeah. movies. Cool. So. I'll, I'll apologize in advance. Three of the movies in which the music that I liked occurred are, me, are movies that I have discussed before. Yeah, I've only done Not I necessarily in-depth in terms of the music. Right. So right. hopefully that makes me get away with things. But with a, someone like this... I always just thought of movies that I really liked and then like finding my favorite sort of music moment within those. Yeah. Um, there are some that jump out. Um, if you like me to go first, is that, is that okay? Or yeah. You, I, I have six again. No, I, but I do have some honorable mentions. <laughs> okay, if we want to do those. You go first, <laughs> asshole. All right. All right. So, so honorable mention number one is Royal Tenenbaums, Needle in the Hay by Elliot Smith. It's this great scene with like, it's really sad, suicide attempt, uh, Needle in the Hay. It sounds like it's, a, I'm pretty sure it's like about heroin use. It's super sad. Uh, Royal Ten Bombs, an amazing movie. Number two, Almost Famous, Tiny Dancer, Elton John, seen in the bus, everyone's sad, and then they start singing, and it's beautiful and great. I talked about Almost Famous a couple weeks ago, so that's why I dropped it down to an honorable mention. Number three, Reservoir Dogs, Stuck in the Middle with You by Steeler's Wheel. Uh, just an iconic scene. The reason I didn't put it in my top five is because I don't love the song, but it's just such a well-used um, 
piece of music in uh, in movies. I, I, I won't spoil it for you, but it is pretty disturbing. Um, and then my number five uh, choice. I'm going to just go ahead and do my number five. Yeah, go for it. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a song called Dry the Rain by Beta Band. Uh, and the movie is High Fidelity. So that's John Cusack starring. He runs a record store. And the, kind of the, the scene is he just needs to sell an album. So he he's demonstrating like his ability to sell music and put on interesting things that people haven't heard before. So he like puts on this record, which is like by this at the time pretty obscure band, and it's just like lights up their room and everyone starts listening and, and then one guy immediately goes up and like asks him what it is and buys the record. And I just it's a really cool part of a cool movie. Yeah. Uh, really well. That movie also has a great cover by Lisa Bonet of Baby I Love Your Way by Peter Frampton. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, it's a great music movie. Um, most of these are good music movies, but yeah, so that's my number five. Um, I'll have an honorable mention that because you brought it up and you brought up Reservoir Dogs. You can do up to three honorable mentions. I know, but I'm not going to. <laughs> my honorable mention is um, Who Did That to You by John Legend from the Django Unchained soundtrack, mm. um, which good is one. A, a song written for that movie. And its placement there is just like, it gets you so ready for that movie's finale. Um, Man, I thought you were going to be like, it gets you so, like, horny. (laughs) (laughs) Well, John Legend does have his ways. Um, Yeah, I like that song a lot. that's a great Call movie, the too. police. Yeah, it's so good. Okay. That, that's a great part. I, yeah. I didn't realize what song that was. Yeah. Was that with, like, uh, the sheriff in town, too? Yes. Oh, yes. Amazing. Where he, like, run, he comes into the bathhouse and, like, shoots the dude in the nuts, and, like, this song is playing where it's just, like, you better run and hide because right. I'm coming the fuck after and, you. And, you know, that's the definition of a good movie music moment. It's, like, you can picture the scene yes. with yes. the song. I think most of, most of these are going to be what it is. So number five for me is the Freebird guitar solo and the church fight from Kingsman, the Secret Service. Um, this fight scene's nuts. The, where Colin Firth is just shooting up a bunch of racists in a church in Kentucky with Leonard Skinner playing in the background. Um, no words, obviously, for Freebird, but the the guitar solo and like the way that the fight is almost semi-choreographed along with the guitar solo... I also love the nice little touch of like the church organ that sort of leads <laughs> into the guitar solo because they're turning up all like the the sensors that make people really violent and you hear like the church organ and they're in this um I forget what they call it like a first mission church or something like clearly supposed to be like the Westboro and um uh, yeah the Be- Westboro Baptist yeah lots of fun um those assholes a lot a lot of fun in a sort of really grim scene <laughs> That's <laughs> um, a great movie. It really is. It's really very well done. I go back to that movie a lot. Yeah, I know you do. You're big into it. Yeah. All right. So my number four is a movie called Francis Ha. The song is uh, Modern Love by David Bowie off the album uh, Let's Dance. It's just like, in my opinion, his last good album for a good long while. Um, and, and you know what? I've seen this movie twice. Uh, both of them were a while ago. And this is like the one or of maybe like two scenes I really remember. But like this song is, uh, you know, just so jaunty and uh, fun to listen to and energetic and, and youthful, which is weird from like a, you know, David Bowie, who was a solid, you know, 12 to 15 years into his career. Uh, but it ju- I just remember the, the movie's in black and white and, and it follows along with the lead sing- or the, the main character, Frances Ha, and she's kind of like this, you know, woman child uh 
uh, and she, the song's playing as she's kind of skipping through the streets, and it's just so energetic and happy. Uh, it's great use of this song, which is by itself amazing, and it kind of brings it to uh, a new light. To yeah, so yeah, cool. Yeah, I really like it. Um, oh, and the movie's directed by Noah Baumbach, who's great. He's got a lot of good stuff. Squid always, and the Whale's It's great. always fun because I think you give us a lot of movies or things that maybe people haven't listened to, listened to or, or seen. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone's probably seen all five of my movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, number four for me is Come and Get Your Love from the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy. I considered using that. It's um, great. Superb. Um, total tone setter. This The soundtrack's really good. And I know... Like, it's the only soundtrack to not have an original song ever hit number one on the Billboard charts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, everyone loves it. Um, but there's a reason for that. Because um, uh, we learned so much about Peter Quill slash Star-Lord without him saying a single word. Mm-hmm. Um, we also learn a lot about the tone of the movie. Right. Um, which, is ve- which was very different from any of the Marvel movies up to that point. I think that's key. Like, the title card comes up right when he goes, hey, and you're like... Oh, okay. This is cool. I like this. He grabs like the rodent and uses it as, as like a microphone. He's like just walking around, having a great time, just with his own little in his own little world with his headphones. I think it it brought a lot of people back to just kind of sitting with headphones in their ears and just loving what they love. Yeah, the MCU's definitely not super self serious. There are a lot of jokes and it's funny, but like Guardians of the Galaxy when that first came out brought it to a whole new level. Yeah, and the song really did a number yeah it was an argument that guardians of the galaxy is probably like the best marvel movie um we can talk about that maybe at a later date the original captain america man hot <laughs> take whatever man. <laughs> <laughs> all right so my number three is uh sean of the dead uh which you haven't seen and which should is see nuts because i'm a huge edgar wright fan have you seen I hot fuzz this movie goes straight horror at the end and i've just been apprehensive with that it's not scary at all um hot fuzz i have seen and like that's amazing four or five times and have you seen uh did you see this is the end or no not this the is world's the, end. End. the world's end. I, I own the world's end on dvd so what are you doing like this is not any scarier than those those are the same it's not scary okay it's I just not. Haven't, I, i've been gone I've, I've gone like half price books and looked for it and it's not there very often Hot Fuzz is there because it's been on Netflix for a few years now. Yeah. A lot of movies that get put on streaming services end up in those resale DVD. Makes sense. But movies yeah, like you Shaun gotta of the Dead you gotta find Shaun of the Dead. I'm it's on great. It. So I'm on so it. the song is "Don't Stop Me Now" by Queen. Uh, it's just a very memorable scene. Obviously, it's a very gory movie. It's a zombie comedy, and it's kind of the original zombie comedy pre Zombie Land. A zombie. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just, so basically it's a zombie fight scene that's choreographed to Don't Stop Me Now by Queen, which is a great energetic song, and they kind of, uh, they use the jukebox records to attack the zombies. It's very memorable. Uh, just a fun movie, fun scene. You should you should definitely check that out. Yeah, I, I think you're talking to me personally, because I think everyone else in the world has seen this movie. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. Is this number three for me? Yeah, number three, number three. is uh, fo- number three is Focus by Hocus Pocus in Baby Driver. <laughs> I remember listening to this song in like middle school and just laughing until I cried. It's so bizarre, like this hard rock sort of classic metal, but with yodeling as the lead <laughs> vocals, um, and it it captures that sort of um, chaos that ensues at this point in the movie when he he busts their operation and then the cops are after him and like his, well, the cops are after him and his former partners are after him too for screwing up the whole operation. And, um, 
the gunfire being synced up with the main guitar riff is a total added bonus. I eat that up in this movie. Um, so again, another, a movie I've talked about before, but that particular moment where it's sort of still kind of lighthearted, but you still feel the circumstances of what's happening. Um, this really weird song playing in the background. <laughs> yeah, it. talk about bringing a song into a new light. Mm-hmm. I mean, that definitely did it. Yeah. Yeah. Because that was just like a try not to laugh YouTube video compilation. Yeah. <laughs> video <laughs> song. <laughs> yeah. So my number three, my number two is, uh, it's uh, from Goodfellas. It's um, Then He Kissed Me by The Crystals. And this is um, just one of the great cinematic moments for me. Um, there, uh, um, Henry, Ray Liotta's character, is on kind of like an early or first date with uh, his future wife. Uh, the actress, uh, her name escapes me, uh, but she's in The Sopranos too and really good in that. Uh, oh, Lorraine Bracco, I think is her name. Anyway, so it's, uh, it's one of those one shot, it's like an iconic one shot for like a three minute scene. And it kind of, kind of introduces you and her uh, to kind of what it's like to be a gangster in a way. He he goes to this fancy restaurant and he's got a way special in so he doesn't have to wait in the line. Uh, he walks through the kitchen and like through the cellar and all of that and it's all in one take and then they... You know, it was like a you know like a two hour long wait at the movie, but they see him walk in and they like make a table for him. They like scooch people out of the way, and it's you know people give him tons of money and buy him drinks and stuff uh, while they're in there. And it's it's just this amazing scene, and it's this beautiful Motown, uh, almost like naive, almost like virginal kind of sound. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. It's just such a great use of music in movies. I love it. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Watch that scene on yeah. YouTube. So the next two for me are musical scores. Okay. Um, I sort of dabbled with this. I think the scores are maybe almost at their best when you don't recognize, when you don't, on, when you don't um, sort of know that they're there. Um, but there are a few exceptions. For me, um, the Quidditch theme from Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Can you hum that one? You know, and it's like, this is a brand new musical theme that has been brought in halfway through this movie. John Williams destroys this score. I mean, it's so good, and it's a total bummer that the tone of these movies changed so much that John Williams and all the work he did on the first two movies sort of gets wiped out almost. He is also the composer on Prisoner of Azkaban, but he does not recycle anything from the first two movies. Um, there's, like, it's hard to create I think uh, a score that is literally magical, especially for a movie that's about magic. But I think the Quidditch theme is probably the most understated of those. And it's every time I watch that movie and the Quidditch theme comes on, like when they obviously are playing Quidditch, I'm like, this is the first time we've heard this before. And we're at the hour 20 hour or 30 minute point in this movie. And there's this whole brand new, huge musical score for this particular setting. And I think that's so cool. And um, yeah, puts you in a place. Absolutely. 100%. We're talking about like being able to visualize a scene. Yeah. Those yeah. Quidditch, that, I can, that, that, those, that, the Quidditch brass. I'm like, I had the exact shot in my head. 
Yeah, it kind of, I, I can picture Harry flying through the air. Yeah. Yeah. There's, just, there's a shot where, like, it's, like, on one of the corners of the arena, and, like, you see the, the players, like, flying around getting ready. And I'm like, yep, okay, I got it. I'm right there. I know exactly where this scene is. Yeah. That's a good choice. I like that. Thank you. Uh, my number one is uh, from a movie that I also listed as my number one favorite movie, mm. um, or number one movie that defines my taste, rather. Uh, it's from Dazed and Confused. Uh, the song is Hurricane by Bob Dylan. Um, it's so good. There, so the opening to this album, or the opening to this movie is Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith, which some consider to be the classic song from that movie. Also from Goodfellas, I failed to mention that there's a great use of Layla by Derek and the Dominoes, and a lot of people remember that more than Then He Kissed Me. Um, but I love uh, Then He Kissed Me, and I love Hurricane by Bob Dylan. Um, this is like the quintessential scene from this movie in my mind where it just like defines like the whole movie where it's just like the the basic premise is M- Matthew McConaughey walks into a pool hall but it's just shot so cool and he just has this like aura around him and then this cool song Hurricane by Bob Dylan's playing in the background and it's just like this is it this is like as good as it gets um, and it's awesome. Like Matthew McConaughey, I love him in this movie. Uh, he's a little creepy, um, which, you know, maybe doesn't age the most, but I don't think it is bad because it's kind of of the era in a lot of ways that, uh, it's portraying, mm-hmm. not that it's made. And I think it knows what it's doing. Um, it's a fantastic, a fantastic scene. It's like, uh, it's paints a picture. Um, yeah, cool. Again, that's a movie I have not seen since I was in like seventh grade. You need to see that. I'll do my best. Maybe under the influence of illicit drugs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number one for me, another movie I've talked about before, but that's the James Bond theme at the end of Casino Royale. Um, the fact that they've withheld this for two hours and 40 minutes only hits you at the end of the movie, which is pretty cool. Um, you're watching a James Bond movie without like the iconic theme that is now 50 plus years old. Um, so yeah, it's the first time that Bond introduces himself as James Bond, James Bond, at least the first time Daniel Craig does it, and this was like also when people were like, Daniel Craig can't play James Bond. He's blonde, and he's too like muscular. And he kneecaps Mr. White, who's responsible for like all of his pain and suffering in this movie. Then you hear these chromatic strings come in. As you see his foot come into the frame, and you're like, oh, man. Then it pans up, and there's Daniel Craig in this fire three-piece suit with an assault rifle, and he's like, the name's Bond. James Bond. And he gives this little smirk, and then it's like, and you're like, hell yeah. That's my James Bond now for the next decade. It's <laughs> awesome. I love it. I can picture it, and I haven't seen that movie in years. Cinematic perfection, I think. Like, the best way to end, especially a reboot movie, a hard reboot movie, to withhold the theme that's like the first thing that anybody ever hears from a James Bond movie like from Dr. No in 1961, to withhold that for two and a half hours in this reboot, super bold, pays off excellently. You know, in, a, in, an, in an episode where we've learned a lot of new music, uh, I think the number one thing I've learned is we need to watch Dancing Confused and Casino Royale <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah, okay. Because we both love the, either, our movies. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, I think that would be a fun... Way to spend four and a half hours. <laughs> Casino Royale is really long. It is long, but it's uh, good. Tasting and Views is not long, and it's great. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, I think that would actually be good because I don't think Days and Confused is the kind of movie that I could like watch by myself and be all that focused. Yeah. Um, I would need somebody there to be like, no, this movie kicks ass. Yeah. And I have a great Days and Confused watching story if we have time. Do well, we have time? I was in like, I was like 12 years old when I saw it the first time. Yeah. So I didn't really get it. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I don't like this movie. So now I'm going in with this, like this, whether it's purposeful or not. It's still there that I don't like this movie. Yeah. So with someone there to be like, no, this movie's hype. I'll be like, okay, we're good. I think we're like, and I think, you know, maybe I saw it at the perfect age. You might be a little old for seeing it, but you still, I think like the key is that you're like close enough to high school that you remember it, Mm -hmm. but it's also far enough away from high school that you can kind of like understand like how dumb we were in high school and look back and kind of laugh yeah yeah and i think so i think you'd still really enjoy it whereas when you saw it before um i don't think um you know i don't think it might have hit the same can i tell my quick days and confused yeah i was just giving you what time it was that's all okay so yeah so my ex had never seen the movie and uh we i was like oh we need to watch this movie because it's my favorite you know one of my favorite movies and we were at a friend's house, uh, and he also loved this movie, but he had had, like, eight beers or something like that. <laughs> okay, cool. So he was saying every lyric louder than the movie was playing, and, uh, you know, he was farting up a storm, too. Oh, no. It was just, like, a terrible, terrible movie-watching oh, no. experience. And you could tell it was coming from, like, a good place because he loved the movie, but, like, I'm going to do my best not to, to not do that. To do dude. that. Okay, cool. And, and it's a movie completely about the dialogue. So if yeah. I just talk over the movie, you're fucked. Fair enough. Don't do that. I won't do it. And I won't talk over the dialogue of Casino Royale. <laughs> <laughs> I might sing the whole opening theme song. Though, you should Chris, do it. By the late, great Chris Cornell. You should do it. I love that movie so much. <laughs> okay. All right. That puts us at an hour five. This is our shortest episode yet. I think this has been a very successful episode. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll put in some like celebration. Yeah, I think we, I, we were both pretty apprehensive about doing a music episode, and I think it worked out pretty well. Yeah, I think so too. So next week, we're looking at maybe doing the Kaufman episode. The, Which? The inaugural Kaufman oh, episode. Oh, that'll be great. Um, he's going to have to call in because he's in Columbus. Yeah, but, we'll uh, have to figure And I'll have out. to figure out how, out how to get his audio into our mixer. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, maybe that's we It'll could have, we, we could have an off-air conversation. Um, yeah. but like I think that'll be interesting to see how we figure that out because yeah. he's he knows how to use the Skype stuff. Anyway, and then after that we'll jump back into movies and TV. Yeah, um, and that will be post First Man and um, Bad Times at the El Royale. Yeah, um, both that we should probably see. Yeah, um, before and, that episode and mid season of The Good Place, which you should catch up on, which you're not I'm, going to. But no, I I'll I'll try. Um, so Meredith and I were watching it, and then oh, we yeah. started watching the Harry Potter movies instead. <laughs> nice. Which is like a significantly bigger time commitment. <laughs> yeah, it is. Because <laughs> I didn't know this. The first and second movie are a combined like five hours and 15 minutes long. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Chamber of Secrets is like an hour, I mean two hours and 42 minutes I love long. Chamber of Secrets. Man. It's a great movie. Okay, so how about this? It might around, be the worst one, but it's still Fantastic it. Beasts time? Yeah. We should rank the Harry Potter movies. That's a good idea. Including Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Where that would fall. Oh, that'll be last for me. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I'll have to think it's about it. It's not Harry Potter. I'll have to think about it. It's Harry Potter universe. Yeah. Which is which I think is why I like it a lot more. But it's not Harry Potter. Yeah, but it's why I like it. Because it's its own original story and not based off the books. There's nothing that it can omit from a book. Yeah, but it's not Harry Potter. Yes, but it's not. Okay, well. I, I, I hope it stays that way. I hope it stays not Harry Potter. Are you excited for Johnny Depp? 
I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm Jonathan kind of, Depp. I'm kind of rooting for the guy. I'm um, not. That <laughs> Rolling Stone article was pretty brutal. <laughs> um, or was, it, was it Vanity Fair? I don't know. I, I don't even Rolling know what you're Stone. talking about. Oh, yeah. He's like way broke. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. That's so dumb. I'm kind of rooting for his research. No, how dumb can you be? No, come on. How dumb can you be? He can print money. Yeah. How I... do you get broke when you can print money? All right. We digress. All right. All right. So next week, hopefully we'll be doing a Kaufman episode. And until then, stay distracted, everyone. Yeah. Uh, have a great week.